Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. All right, let's open our Bibles, guys, to page 765 in the Black Bibles. We're going to continue through the Gospel of John this morning. The Gospel of John. We're going to start at the end of chapter 15 in verse 26. Page 765 in the Black Bibles. All right, let's, um, let's start in verse 26 of chapter 15 this morning in John, and then we'll read all the way through to, chap- to verse 16 of chapter 16. So starting in verse 26, it says, When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not, the, they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. And in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And a little while you will see me, no more. And then a little while, after a little while, you will see me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the time of worship, Lord. Thank you for the beginning of summer and the ending of school, Lord. Some of us need that break, Lord. And we look forward to what you have here in the next couple of weeks, Lord, with summer camp. And for those of us that are going on the missions trip, Lord, and we think of all that you have already in store for us, Lord as we have our sights set on the summertime. Well, Lord, this morning we're here and and we want to receive from you uh, as you give to us, Lord, through your word. And so we set our hearts on understanding and our minds on listening and and perceiving, Lord, and, and our eyes on seeing what your word says. Lord, may you help us this morning. Holy Spirit, we call on you. We ask for you to teach as you faithfully do every week, Lord. And so we ask for you to just be here to show yourself to us, Lord, and to Help us to see you more clearly and understand your word a little bit better, Lord. So we commit our Bible study to you, and we ask for you to glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, as we learned last week in John chapter 15, that Jesus is moving into these last moments of his life. We're literally moving down to the last hours now of his life, because what's about to happen is in John chapter 18... He's going to be arrested. So we've got the rest of this discourse here in 16, and then what happens in 17 
And then in 18, he's arrested. And so Jesus started off this whole discourse with a meal with them. He washed their feet, he had a meal, and then he began to tell them different things about himself and, and about the kingdom of God. And, and now he's talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And so this is as he's walking along. They're heading from where they ate up to the Mount of Olives, which is where John chapter 17 is gonna take place, where Jesus is in the Mount of Olives and he prays uh, for them and for himself. And so what we're doing here is we're kind of in transit between those two places. If you remember in John 15, right when he started, he said, as they were walking along, and then he spoke to them about the the vine. He said, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. And he talked about what that would look like and how God prunes off the the branches that bear no fruit. And then he, he tends to the ones that he prunes, the ones that do bear fruit, so that they'll be even more fruitful. And we talked about what does that look like in your life and in my life. And so now here we are, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the work of God's Holy Spirit in, in your life, in my life, and in the world. So we're going to take a look at that. And, and it starts off there in 26 of 15. It says, uh, he says, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Uh, Jesus tells us very clearly that there's two titles that he gives to the Holy Spirit, the counselor and the spirit of truth. He talks about calling the Holy Spirit the counselor and the spirit of truth. He also says it again in verse 7 of, of chapter 16. And then he says it again, he calls him the spirit of truth in verse 13 of 16. So it's a title that he's given to the Holy Spirit uh, because we can't see the Holy Spirit. We can only feel the Holy Spirit. We can only sense the Holy Spirit. We can only see the effects of the Holy Spirit. Unlike Jesus, who was in the flesh and blood, who was God with skin on. So we could see Jesus at that time. They could touch Jesus. They were with him. They were around him. He was uh, the God who's come to dwell with us. And so uh, we have the Holy Spirit here. And he's going to primarily talk about two things that the Holy Spirit will accomplish in the ministry of God through the Holy Spirit on the earth. Two things that he breaks down in these verses that we're going to look at. The first one is the counselor role of the Holy Spirit. And that's primarily found in verses uh, 8 through 11 and 16. So go there with me in verses 8 through 11. It says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Jesus says that the counselor is going to have three things that he's primarily going to do in regards to the world in terms of conviction. He's going to convict regarding sin. He's going to convict regarding uh, righteousness. And he's going to convict regarding judgment. So let's look at sin. He says there in sin, he says, um, he says sin because men do not believe in me. And this is interesting. If you guys were on the Tuesday night Bible studies uh, with me, uh, you know, over the past couple months, we've, they're done now. One of the uh, four-week Bible studies that we did was on the issue of sin, the topic of sin. And we looked at the origin of sin and the results of sin and how to, how to overcome sin and all these things. And if you remember, the, definition, the basic definition of sin is missing the mark. It's called missing the mark. In other words, if there were a target and you were to string up an arrow and, and take sight at it and let go, if you hit the target perfectly, you, you hit the mark. But if you missed it, you missed the mark, that would be as sin because God's mark is the perfect bullseye of life. It's perfection. That's what hitting the mark is, is perfection. And unfortunately, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. None are righteous. No, not one. In other words, none of us 
with this life that we've been given, are able to actually achieve the perfect bullseye of hitting the mark that God would demand and require of every person that lives. So that leaves us in a dilemma, doesn't it? Because God demands that we be perfect or we have a perfect life, but yet we can't. We're born already fallen. We're born with a broken arrow, if you will. It can't even get to it. That's why Jesus is so important. This is why Jesus is so crucial to this, because Jesus hit the mark. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I can't live. And we go over this a lot. I I share this a lot. But it's important that we remember this because one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting the world that there is sin, that they are in sin, that they have missed the mark, that they have missed the mark. This comes primarily through us sharing with our friends and those that know God and those that are forgiven of their sins, sharing and testifying of their life and what God has has for them. Look at verse 27 of 15. It says, and you must, you also must testify. He says, the Holy Spirit's gonna testify of me and you must also testify. So in other words, we're working in tandem with God, trying to accomplish the purposes of God for this earth. And he has given us the Holy Spirit as the one who does the work for us. And he's called the counselor in this case. He's the one who does the work for us. He's the one that, that goes before us. And as we begin to speak and live our life out, the Holy Spirit is, moves upon those words and upon that life, and he convicts the world of sin. Now, interesting thing is that before I was a Christian, I never thought that I was a sinner, right? A lot of people think, well, I'm not a bad person. I'm not, I'm not a bad person, so I'm not you know, a sinner. I've never murdered anyone. I mean, come on. I mean, that's like, that's like a bad person, right? Like, well, listen, yeah, that is a bad person. I'm not gonna disagree with that. But we're all sinners, man. If you, if you lie, if you, the smallest thing sets it off course. The smallest thing. And the problem is, is that it's impossible not to do that. It's, not, it's impossible to have the life of perfection. Okay, And so when we begin to testify, the Holy Spirit begins to testify of God in that nature as well, that God is holy, that you are not holy, you are in sin. And so a fallen, a lost world, the Holy Spirit goes out and he begins to testify that they're in sin. Now, there's another side of this, which is the second thing that the Holy Spirit does, which is concerning righteousness. Look at verse 10. It says, he says that I uh, convict the world of righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. The word righteousness literally means to be in right standing. In other words, if you and I are righteous with one another, there's nothing between us. We're, we're getting along. There's no offense between you. And there's no offense that I've caused you. You haven't caused me. We're, we're like in right standing with one another. And the way that we get in right standing with God is through having our sins, which cause us to be in wrong standing with God, atoned for forgiven, washed away. And that's by believing in Jesus. The world doesn't believe this. The world believes that they are righteous with God based on their own righteousness, based on the work that they've done, that they're not a murderer, that they're not a big liar, that they haven't done bad things, that they think that God should let them get into heaven because they would consider themselves a good person. This is important. The Holy Spirit comes in and when we begin to share with people that God loves them and that God has done a great work to provide for them to have a relationship with him, the conviction will come in their own sin and the fact that they are separated from God, that they are not right with God. You see this displayed very clearly in the book of Acts very early on. You see, the apostle Peter and John were walking up to the temple to pray about three o'clock in the afternoon and they see this man who's a beggar 
and he's sitting at the, the gate, beautiful, and he's asking for money. He's begging. He's poor. He can't provide for himself. And he, he looks at Peter and John. He says, hey, do you have some money? And, and Peter looks squarely at the man. And by the Holy Spirit, he says this by the Holy Spirit, he says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. Get up, take up your mat and walk. And this man who is, could not walk stands up to his feet and begins to rejoice, praising God. And so God uses Peter in this miraculous moment just by speaking to heal this guy. The Holy Spirit heals this man. He gets up. He starts rejoicing. The result of this healing that's a miracle is that a crowd develops around the man, and they begin to demand from Peter, how did this man become healed? By what power did he do this? And Peter says to them in the moment, he seizes the moment, and he looks at them, and he says, this, he gives this incredible sermon and he begins to explain to them that Jesus is the one that did this and that they are the ones who put Jesus to death on the cross, but yet he didn't remain dead. He rose from the dead and now his, he's alive and his, his power is available and his Holy Spirit's here. And Peter begins to testify about Jesus and what, it, what happens is, is that moment their hearts are cut within them and they are convicted because they are in sin and they are unrighteous and they, say, they begin to beg, how can we become righteous with God? And Peter leads them in a prayer to become righteous with God. He tells them to repent and be baptized and at that day, 3,000 people turn to the Lord. There's power in the testimony of Jesus Christ. There's power when we begin to testify of the things of God, of the person of Jesus and what he's done for us and what he's done for them. And so the Holy Spirit says, I'm gonna work on behalf of this testifying. I'm gonna convict the world of sin. I'm gonna convict the world of righteousness that they are in sin. And because they're in sin, they are not righteous with me. And then thirdly, he says there in regards to judgment. And he says, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is in reference to Satan. You see, Satan was defeated at the cross. He was pronounced uh, guilty and he was pronounced as his, his, really his, his sentence was handed out at the cross. He is yet to be, uh, his judgment is yet to been, be fulfilled because we know in the book of Revelation that at the end of all things, he will be thrown into the lake of fire where, where he will eventually be destroyed in that way, eternally in torment, separated from God and never again to have any impact on the earth. But until that day, he stands as the prince of this world. But Satan disarmed him, or Jesus disarmed him at the cross. When Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross, he defeated the power of darkness over this world. You see, man is equally as guilty as Satan is because of sin. Let me explain this to you. In the garden, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve were there and it was perfect, God gave Adam a clear command not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was a very clear command. One thing, you can do anything you want. You can eat from any tree you want. Don't eat from that tree, Adam. And Adam understood. He knew it, okay? Then Satan comes in and he finds Eve. Now, you guys think about this and and it's interesting. You think, well, how did she get deceived by a snake and all these other things? Listen, Eve was innocent in the sense that she had only had interactions with Adam and with God. And both of them, Adam and God, had never lied to her. So she did not even know what a lie was. There had been no deception at this point on the planet. So she was ignorant to the fact that she could even be deceived. She was innocent in that regard. 
But Satan questions the very ruling that God handed out to Adam saying, don't eat from that tree. Because Satan brings in the deception and says, did God really say that? And he questions the authority and the word of God. And from that point on, because Adam was right there with her, they decide to believe the lie and move forward and eat from the tree, which then sets the whole course of creation from that point on until God restores it when he destroys the heavens and the earth into sin. So what happened was is Satan was at that point became the prince of the world, ruling over the world in, a large, in, a, in many respects. You see this through the ministry of Jesus. When Je- Jesus is walking around and he's performing miracles, healing the sick, and one of the things that he did was casting out demons. We know that Satan, when he rebelled against God in the heavenlies before creation, that, that he deceived a third of the angels. They were, the, it, we're told that the dragon swept a third of the stars from, from the, the, the heavens uh, in Revelation. And so we know that those, the dragon is Satan and the stars would be the angels that were with him. They, they deceived, they were evicted from heaven. So we know that they're roaming around and they're doing the works of Satan. They're holding people in bondage. They're bringing and perpetuating darkness on the planet and allowing sin to have its way. Uh, coming against the work of God. But nothing can stop God. In fact, Satan, when uh, Jesus went to the cross, uh, I heard it said one time that as a a lion, he roams around like like a roaring lion searching for someone to devour at the cross, his teeth were pulled. What do I mean by that? Is that when Jesus died on the cross, he defeated sin and he defeated death. He absolutely defeated the deeds and the work of darkness on the cross. And so when the Holy Spirit goes out into the world, when we begin to testify about Jesus, the deeds of darkness are condemned, they're judged. And what happens is is there's a light that's exposed. And so God and the Holy Spirit begins to do his work. Now, those three things that the Holy Spirit speaks of there, sin, righteousness, and judgment, have to deal with an unbelieving, lost, and broken world. It's how the Holy Spirit will go in and into this lost world and begin to build God's kingdom by bringing people in. It's the ministry of God. Listen, I've said this before, and this is very clear. Everything that God does is for the sake of relationship. Everything that God does is for the sake of relationship. When the relationship was broken in the Garden of Eden, from that point on, God was doing everything he could to restore that relationship back with mankind. And so he sent Jesus to die for us. He was working towards restoring that relationship. Everything that he was doing. You can read through the entire Bible and see how God was working to bring man back to his side so that he would know him and that he could relate to him and be with him again. And so everything that God does is for the sake of relationship. And so when the Holy Spirit is working on behalf of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to continue to do that work, to build God's kingdom, to bring people in. And so the lost and dying world, in three ways, it convicts in sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he doesn't just work in the lives of unbelievers trying to bring them into the kingdom of God because we've been given the Holy Spirit as well. And so he goes on to speak to them, to the disciples specifically, and how the Holy Spirit works in behalf of a believer's life, one who follows and knows and loves God. So let's look at those things. Those start in in chapter 16 in verses 13 and 14. and, And read it with me. It says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you, What is yet to come? He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. 
So now Jesus turns it from a world that needs him to a, a world that will know him. Those of us that are in his kingdom. As, at this point, it's his disciples. And so he begins to share with them the role of the spirit of truth. Now, remember, one was called the counselor. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you go to your school counselor, they tell you advice, they help you out and stuff, but that's not like your mom and dad, is it? It's just someone you kind of rely on. They kind of speak into your life for a moment. But then there's something that's deeper. It's the spirit of truth. It's almost as though God says, I'm moving from without to within. And now the spirit of truth begins to speak into and out of the life of a believer. It's a more intimate voice. It's something that's much more personal. And he calls it the spirit of truth. And he says here very clearly, the very first thing that he's gonna do is found in verse 13. The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. It should be a comfort for you and a comfort for me. Did you know that Jesus will never lead you into something that is not honest, true, and helpful and holy? God will never lead you into sin. God will never lead you into darkness. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into something that is contrary to who he is and what would be best for you. You have to understand that. I've sadly heard a lot of people justify their life, which is in sin, you know, believers that are in a sinful state of their life saying, well, God's, God's leading me to this. God's le-. No, you're deceived. He doesn't lead us into sin. He leads us into more holiness. He leads us into righteousness. He leads us into a place where he will have greater effect in our life. Sin separates us, but the Holy Spirit brings us together with him. So he says he'll lead you in all truth. And there's primarily three ways that the Holy Spirit does this one thing of leading us and guiding us into all truth. Number one, he will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit will always submit to God and to Jesus in agreement. You have to understand that the Holy Spirit is equally God. Now, we went over this um, on Wednesday nights when we did that four-week series on the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit is right in the second verse of Genesis. It's shown to us as he's hovering over the darkness of the waters. And he, all the way through the entire Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented and he's still here today. And he is equally God with Jesus and the Father, equally God. It's a mystery. It, it'll blow your mind if you try and figure it out. It's impossible. I've heard a lot of people try and explain it. I've given up trying to explain the triune nature of God. I know this, that Jesus was, God with skin on, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he's in heaven. I know that God the Father is over that, and I know that the Holy Spirit has been given to the church today, and the Holy Spirit dwells within me uh, because I received by faith the gift of salvation through Jesus, what he did on the cross. I know that. That's about as far as I can go with it. How they, how they are all three God at the same time and, and work, it's a mystery to me. But I know this, that it's true. And the Holy Spirit will work in union, in harmony with Jesus and the Father. He will never work contrary. He will work together. And so when he speaks, he will speak not on his own, but he will speak the very words of Jesus and the Father. And then secondly, he will speak only what he hears. The Holy Spirit will work. He's the worker. You know, He will go out and he will speak what he hears. Now this in a believer's life is important because we know that as we walk with the Lord and we grow in our relationship with the Lord, he begins to move us into a deeper relationship and he begins to challenge us in the way that we're living. That primarily comes through the voice of God through the Holy Spirit in the form of conviction in your life or when you need it, encouragement. So he begins to speak, but when he does speak, he doesn't speak on his own. He speaks the very words that Jesus, if Jesus were standing before you in the flesh, he would say to you the very same thing that the Holy Spirit is saying to you. 
So you can have confidence to know that the voice that you hear from the Holy Spirit is the voice of God. And then thirdly, he says he will tell you what is yet to come. Now this is something that I think was unique for John in this moment because John, the gospel, who, the guy, the book that we're reading that wrote this book, he also wrote another incredible book called the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation for believers is, is a future accounts of what's going to occur on the planet. We know that in, because of the book of Revelation that we can trust in the rapture. We know that in the book of Revelation we can trust that there will be a tribulation period, that there will be an antichrist that will rise up, there will be a false prophet. We know that we can trust through Revelation that, that uh, Jesus will return a second time and have a thousand year reign. And we can trust that God will eventually uh, bring forth a new heavens and a new earth, uh, destroying this old one and making everything new uh, where we will be with him forever. This comes through the book of Revelation. This is, he was making known what will happen, what, what is to come yet. It's important for us. So in, in that respect, it does work that way. But for you and I, we have the living word of God here and it's going to help us, it's going to warn us, it's going to show us how to live a life that's worthy of him. Sometimes, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, there's been times in my private devotional where I'll go in, into time with the Lord in the morning and he'll show me some uh, portion of scripture and, and, and I won't even understand it necessarily why I'm reading it, but I'll understand what it says, but why am I reading it this morning? And what happens is I realize that God was preparing me because I get involved in something in the day and, and God was preparing me and exactly what I read applies to what was happening in my life. And so he was preparing me for yet what was to come. See, God leads, he knows, he's going to help. He comes alongside of us. He's involved in the life of a believer. We don't want to lose track of that. The Holy Spirit's alive, he's well, he's all powerful. And then secondly, the second work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, because the first one is to lead us in all truth. The second thing is that he'll bring glory to me. In other words, God is going to bring glory to himself by changing you from the image of yourself into the image of Jesus. He wants us to be the representation of Jesus in our life, in this life that we live. When we begin to testify, when we begin to live a life worthy of the word of God, we are becoming like Christ. We are becoming the image of God to a lost and dying world. And that process can be painful. It, can be, it takes our whole life. And, and sometimes we do well and sometimes we don't do well. We fall, we walk strong. Nonetheless, God never gives up on us, but he will be bringing glory to himself through your life. Now we talked about a testify. We testify about God. Everyone in this room has a testimony. Everyone. Of how you didn't know God and then how you came to know God. And that is the power that God has in your life. Your testimony will help lead others to know him because you are a witness of a changed life, someone who has gone from death into life. So we see the Jesus was telling his disciples, there's gonna be two primary functions of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand this. There's many more ways that the Holy Spirit works and we know this through the word of God. But he says, primarily, you're gonna have a lost and believing world that the Holy Spirit's gonna go out and he's gonna convict and he's gonna draw them in. And then in those that do know him, he's going to, being active in their life. He's going to be bringing them, speaking into their lives, the very words that I have for them and making them glorify my name. So that's where we are. Jesus is telling his disciples these last things. He has only hours left with them and he's telling them the most important things that they need to know. And if it's important to them, then it's important to us today. So we don't want to lose sight of that. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Just allow the Lord to speak to you through his word. Allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you in your life. Embrace it. When, 
at least take this as an encouragement. When you're convicted of sin, sometimes it's not easy to, it's not easy to have that, that feeling of guilt. But take heart in this. It's because he loves you. And it shows that he truly cares about you. He's showing you something about yourself that he wants to change because he loves you. It means that he is alive and he is active in your life. And so you can at least rejoice in the very fact that Jesus is working in your life at that moment. Okay? So be encouraged. Let's pray.